Do you want to learn how to manage your own investments? Are you ready to stop paying investment management fees and start building wealth? The DIY Investing Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge, skills, and resources you need to be a better investor. Learn how to make investments through the use of fundamental analysis, mental models, and business management insights. Now, here's your host, value investing expert, Trey Henninger. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Hinniger and I'm your host. In today's episode, I will be discussing the conclusion to the store stock brokerage price wars in the United States and Canada. If you're just joining the podcast today and you found us through our interview with Jeff Gannon last week, welcome. I do those interviews with investors so that you can understand different investing philosophies and get different perspectives of other investors out there, specifically DIY investors, either that have been growing their name through just being DIY investing and publishing their investments on their blogs, and also DIY investors who have become professional investors over time. I think this provides a useful perspective for people to understand what is available and how you can invest your money. Speaking of investing your money, today we're going to be discussing the stock brokerage price wars. But before I get to that, if you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a rating and review. Simply hit pause and rate this podcast in your podcast player. I would really appreciate it. And please give me a five-star review if that's how you feel about the podcast. If not, I'd always welcome your feedback and your feedback will help me to grow the podcast and the show audience because that's how the algorithms work in evaluating podcasts. So let's dive right on in. Broker price wars. If you aren't aware already because of your broker emailing you, or you haven't been paying attention to what's going on in stock price trading, then you may or may not know that over the last few weeks, the cost of buying and selling stocks and ETFs in the United States and Canada has recently hit the $0 bound among major online brokers. Now, having $0 commission stock trades is what I'm talking about. And this means that you could buy a stock for $0 commission and you could sell a stock for $0 commission. Or you could buy your ETF for no commission and sell your ETF for no commission. Specifically, this is applying to United States and Canadian listed exchanges. Um, some, some of the brokers are only doing it for United States listed exchanges. Um, and this would be stocks or ETFs on those exchanges. Some are doing both United States and Canada. Now, $0 or free commissions haven't been, it are not entirely new. They were originally started um, and popularized by Robinhood. Um, which is a very popular investing app among young investors, specifically millennials, um, are the ones who have most popularized it. But in general, their populace skews young, and that was launched in 2013. And basically, their idea was, you know, stock instead of buying stock for $7 a trade or $5 a trade or $10 a trade, we're going to offer it for free. 
Now, this didn't really catch on amongst the major brokers. Instead, for a long time, since 2013, the major brokers have had their stock price per, or their stock trading price at around five to ten dollars per trade. And this has continued up until now. In the last three weeks, we have seen a huge change in the market. The first bombshell announcement came from Interactive Brokers on September 26th when they announced that they would launch in October an offering called IBKR Lite. In the words of the press release, they announced today that IBKR Lite is a new offering that will provide commission-free unlimited trades on U.S. exchange-listed stocks and exchange-traded funds. End quote. So this was announced at the end of September that they would be launching in October this new version of Interactive Brokers where you could trade for free with no commissions. Now, I like the idea of saying no commissions or zero dollar commissions because I think it's a more accurate way of describing this instead of free trading. But the moniker that's going to become popular and well-known is going to be free trading. And the reason I don't like the term free trading is that there are some costs involved in here and there's some other stuff going on in the background, but we'll address that later in the podcast. So Interactive Brokers made this announcement and it was a bombshell announcement because what it is, is Interactive Brokers was the first of the major online brokers to announce going to the $0 bound on commissions. And historically, Interactive Brokers had always been the cheapest of the online brokerage companies. And so it made sense that they would be the first one to hit the $0 bound, um, but they were definitely provided a shot across the bow. And when they made this announcement, you had uh, the stock prices of many of the other major online brokers decline during that time because now it was clear that there was going to be new competition in this area. The other major online brokers are Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, and Fidelity. So I'm going to go through each of these companies and discuss what they're doing on their platforms because over the since September 26th there has been a lot of changes in the pricing of stock trading within the United States and in Canada. Charles Schwab followed up on Interactive Brokers and they announced that effective October 2nd and here's the quote on October 2nd, 7th, 2019, in conjunction with the release of Mr. Schwab's latest book, Invested, Charles Schwab & Co. is removing the final barrier to making investing accessible to everyone by eliminating commissions for stocks, ETFs, and options listed on U.S. or Canadian exchanges across all mobile and web trading channels. Now, they have a note one, which you can see in the press release if you look it up. I have also have it linked to in the show notes. And then continuing, clients trading options will continue to pay $0.65 cents per contract, end quote. So what Charles Schwab did when they made this announcement is one, they basically tanked their own stock price. Charles Schwab's stock declined about 10% that day um, without checking the exact numbers. A lot of their competitors, including TD Ameritrade and E-Trade, had their stock prices decline about 15 to 20%. Throughout the day, I don't know what it ended on, but I definitely remember seeing them down in that ballpark. And the idea here is while Interactive Brokers was always the cheapest one, Charles Schwab is huge. 
So this is a company that I believe managed, owns or, or, or holds probably $3 trillion in that range of assets. I mean, this is a huge amount of money that's held with Charles Schwab accounts. And so them moving to the $0 bound on commissions was huge. Specifically, one of the things you'll see different between Interactive Brokers announcement and Charles Schwab is that Interactive Brokers was offering a new service that was kind of a subset, which is IBKR Lite. Well, Charles Schwab was doing that first for all their accounts. You didn't have to opt in. This wasn't a different service. This was just their new price. And they reiterated that in their press release that their price is zero. This isn't a, com- a promotion. Their price is now zero for stock trades. The other difference is, is they did it for both the U.S. and Canadian exchanges, while IBKR Lite was only for U.S. exchanges. Well, within, I think, 24 hours of Charles Schwab's announcement, TD Ameritrade announced that effective October 3rd, they would be eliminating, or I'll quote, will eliminate commissions for its online exchange-listed stock ETF, domestic and Canadian, and options trades moving from $6.95 to $0 effective Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. Clients trading options will now pay $0.65 per contract with no exercise and assignment fees. End quote. So TD Ameritrade followed it up very quickly and said, we're not going to be left in the dust. We're not going to let you steal our customers. And we are also going to move to $0 commissions for U.S. and Canadian stocks, ETFs, and options. There's still the per contract on the options, and I think that's all, and that's true as well for Charles Schwab. Within 24 hours after TD Ameritrade made their announcement, E-Trade followed it up, and they said, "quote effective or on effective October 7th, they said, quote they will eliminate retail commissions for online U.S. listed stock ETF and options trades. It will also reduce the options contract charge to 65 cents per contract for all traders while maintaining its active trader pricing at 50 cents per contract. So now again, one of the differences is now E-Trade is in the same boat as Interactive Brokers and only offering free trade for U.S. listed stocks and exchange or on for stocks and ETFs listed on U.S. exchanges, and they exclude Canada, but Schwab and Ameritrade included Canada. The last major online broker is Fidelity. Now, the big difference between Fidelity and these other four companies is that Fidelity is a private company. Does that matter? Should it matter? I'm not exactly sure. What I do know is that Fidelity has resisted so far moving to $0 per trade. So still today, as I record this podcast on October 7th, they have $4.95 trades, while their major competitors have all moved to the $0 trade, $0 commissions on online trades. So this is very interesting. We have to contemplate, is Fidelity going to move to $0 or are they going to try and wait and see if they lose customers? This is risky because, of course, getting rid of commissions does cut the revenue of the company. But if they're able to maintain their customer base with $5 trades, it might be worth it for them. Now, when I sit there and look at it, now, so I'm, I'm a customer of both Fidelity and Charles Schwab. I have brokerage accounts at each of those companies. And so now I have one brokerage account that is offering me free trades and another brokerage account that is 
asking me to pay for trades. So that makes it difficult. If I'm adding new money to one of my accounts, should I add money to the one that's going to be free or should I add money to the one that I'm going to have to pay for? Well, as a customer, I'm going to choose probably the one that's free. So I think at least on a dollar basis, Charles Schwab is going to win more business from me than they would have otherwise. And they're winning that business from Fidelity so long as Fidelity keeps their trading costs above zero. Will we see that in a large way? Will it be enough to affect Fidelity's bottom line? I'm not sure that it will in the short term. Fidelity is different than some of their competitors in that they have a large business, um, especially in the retirement um, account business. They have a lot of connections with companies, um, 401ks, um, connections in that regard, and a lot of businesses with registered investment advisors. That's also true with Charles Schwab. But it might be that Fidelity thinks that one, their lack of being a public company gives them ability to think a little bit longer term or that their specific customer base doesn't care about that commission cost. I don't think this would work out for Fidelity in the long term if they keep their commissions above zero primarily because it's just going to it's going to lose them business on the margins and it will show up over time. The fact that you're going to have people having to make a decision and wondering why everyone else in the market isn't charging you for trades, but Fidelity still is. And that's going to make a difference. Will it make a huge difference? I'm not sure, but I think over time, these sorts of things build up and you'll see Fidelity, even if it isn't this week or this month, um, eventually move down to zero to match their competitors. Because I just mentioned these five companies, Interactive Brokers, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, E-Trade, and Fidelity. There are many other companies that are getting into this moving down to $0 commissions. We are not just having those plus Robinhood. I've seen Ally Invest announce that they're going to $0. I've seen TradeStation announce they're going to $0. I excluded those because those aren't as large of an online broker as these other companies. But basically, the entry fee for competition now in the online brokerage space for investors is $0 commissions. This is great for consumers and not great for the companies themselves. Basically, what you've had is in each of these announcements that these companies have to come out, they've had to announce, yes, well, this is going to impact our revenues. We're going to have 4%, you know, 4% of our revenues last year came from these commissions or 15 or 20% of our revenues came from these commissions last year. Those numbers add up. That is why you've seen stock prices decline for these companies because this is a significant hit for some and a less significant hit for others. In particular, Charles Schwab is probably the least impacted, which is why I think they were the first to follow up interactive brokers with this announcement because they knew it would put more pressure on their competitors than they would take. And I think that's true for Fidelity as well. They know that they will be less affected perhaps than, than everyone else besides maybe Charles Schwab. But they're, they're still weighing that. So let's talk about what else this means. So you have the background now of what's happened in the end of September and early October 2019 with this change to $0 trading commissions. The other thing I think that's important to re- reference here is 
I believe this is the beginning of the end for Robinhood. Robinhood's primary selling point was that they had $0 commissions on trades. They offered free trades for their investors. You could get in, use the Robinhood app, you could buy stocks, sell stocks, and you didn't have to pay for the trades. Now, how did this work? Well, basically, Robinhood was receiving payments for the order flow. If you made a trade on Robinhood, they would then send your trade to the exchanges. But before doing that, they would sell the information that you're trying to buy 100 shares of Apple. And they would tell high-frequency traders, I have a customer who's trying to sell 100 shares of Apple. And that high-frequency trader could take that information and make pennies and pennies and pennies off of it um, on a lot of shares because they could use that as a signal in the marketplace and have it before other people. And they would get paid for this. And what it allowed Robinhood to do is that they would be able to get paid more for selling your information to the high-frequency traders than it would cost them to actually make the trade. And this allowed Robinhood to float the cost of the trades and instead um, offer their customers a very nice benefit of having free trading. But it's prob- it, the problem is, is it's not free trading. It's only $0 commission because technically, because your information about the trade has been sold to other people, they are able to make a trade in front of you and potentially give you a worse trading price than you would have received if the, your order flow hadn't been sold. What this means in theory is that for very, very small investors, it might not matter. But if you're investing any normal size of money as you're trying to approach retirement, or if you are even especially more than a DIY investor, you're going to see larger losses from your order flow being sold than a $5 commission would have been. Simply because if the price of your stock goes up by a penny or two, that could be a significant change that is more than $5 um, based upon the number of shares that you're buying. It depends, um, and it's hard to to exactly say what this impact is. I'm sure there's been some studies, but that's kind of how it works. Now, I think this is the beginning of the end for Robinhood because free trading was basically their MO. That's what they had. That was their whole marketing stances. We are the free trading app. Now, I've not used Robinhood, so you have to take this with a grain of salt, but I have used their competitors with the major online brokerage companies. And these companies not only have good apps, but they also have good online services. They have good customer service. They have the ability to buy and sell stocks not just in the United States, but in many countries around the world. You can buy and sell stocks in many different currencies. You can get a lot of detailed information about companies. You can get a lot of analyst reports. You can get all sorts of information straight from your brokerage company. And now those same brokerage companies are offering free trading in the United States and Canada. So what makes Robinhood special anymore? This is a company that was planning to IPO this year. Um, I don't know how that's going to go for them now because basically you've stolen their moat. Their moat was the fact that they were offering cheaper pricing than everyone else, and now that's not true. So I just don't know anything that makes Robinhood different. Basically, the business model is we now have a certain set of customers, and we hope those customers don't leave. Um... Could it work? Yeah. I just don't think it's, I think it's no longer the growth story that it was. 
and you'll eventually see that end or they'll get bought out. That's my theory. Take it for what you will. Um, beyond the, the this being the beginning of the end for Robinhood, I think you're going to see a lot of second order effects. So the first order effect is that commissions have gone to the $0 bound for stock trading in the United States and Canada. But second order effects and third order effects is a very important mental model that as investors you need to understand. Second order effects here, there's going to be many of them and it's going to be hard to trace necessarily as time goes on, but I think you're going to see some things change. So if stock trading is free, what does this mean? That's the question. So think about it for a second. What else is affected if trades now cost you $0 in commissions. So the first thing I thought about is that this is the potential demise of the paid index fund. So right now, if you want to replicate the Dow index, 30 stocks, you need to go and buy 30 different stocks, or not right now, but like just a month ago, if you wanted to buy the Dow, you could buy a Dow index fund and maybe you pay five basis points, 10 basis points, 20 basis points, depending upon where you are and how um, competitive their price is. But let's say it's five basis points. That's 0.05%. Um, so if you had, I hate to do some quick math here. Okay, so let's assume that you're going to invest in the Dow and it's going to be an index fund that's only charging you five basis points. Now, if you're investing $100,000, if my math is right, and I hope it is because it's always hard to do when you're on this recording, is that means you're going to be paying $50 a year to own the Dow. But now, why should you? There's a $0 cost to make trades. So you can construct the Dow for free. There's only 30 stocks. The announcements are quite public when they change. So if you have $100,000, you can just go and put $3,000 or $3,300 in each of the 30 companies. And bam, you've replicated the index fund. So instead of paying $50 a year, you now pay zero. You paid zero up front and you paid zero on an ongoing basis. When you get new money, you can just add it to the lowest um bucket in your stocks and it automatically re you know now you're rebalancing it costs you zero to add money it costs you zero as an ongoing fee why should paid index funds exist anymore and this is as true for small indexes like the dow with 30 stocks as it is for an s&p 500 index that has 500 stocks now with 500 stocks it gets a little more complicated and it's probably Maybe worth it if you want that level of diversification to go with the index itself. But theoretically, you could buy all 500 stocks and just split your money up in between them. So there's 100,000 stocks. You could put $200 in each of them, and that is your $100,000. And it cost you $0 to do this. Before you, when you had $5 commissions, you could not put $200 into a single stock and have that make sense. Because unless you're holding for a really long time, because that would be a basically two and a half percent of your investment cost you're paying in in the upfront commission with another two and a half percent for sale. So it wouldn't make sense to invest with only $200 in each individual stock. So you couldn't reasonably replicate the S&P 500 
with even a $100,000 portfolio. But now you could. Not saying that really makes sense, and I really don't think you get a lot of benefit from having, there's not much diversification benefit, certainly, for having 500 stocks versus 30 stocks, let alone if you start talking about, you know, the Wilshire 5000 and these bigger um, Russell indexes, 3000, and you start buying thousands and thousands of stocks, you're not gaining a lot of extra benefit for that diversification. Basically, your big benefit for diversification ends after you own 20 or 30 stocks. Um, So that's why I think the Dow is a useful comparison here. But if you think I'm wrong, think about why would you pay a non-zero management fee when you can replicate the entire index for free? And if you think this isn't going to happen, it already has. While Fidelity hasn't moved to $0 commissions yet, they have made $0 or zero-fee index funds. You can buy the S&P 500 from Fidelity for free right now. Um, all right, let me check that. I think it's the S&P 500. Sorry, I guess it's actually the total market index fund and uh, international index fund that are zero expense ratio, not necessarily the S&P 500 but they might have an S&P 500 one as well. Um, but when I see it, their, zero, their Fidelity Zero Total Market Index Fund is FZROX. Um, so it has zero expense. Basically, you can replicate the whole market with um, zero expense ratio for that mutual fund. Very, very competitive when you think about this. So if Fidelity's done it, and they did it before there were $0 trading fees, how much more likely do you think it's going to be until you have one of these with Schwab, Ameritrade, E-Trade, Vanguard? You're going to see zero-fee index funds come out, which means that you're basically going to eliminate any reason to have a paid index fund, and that's because technology can do so much of this these days. The index funds have ways of earning money that is all part of this where you could basically have them part of the, they can maybe do the order flow or something along those lines, but the, or it could just be a loss leader to bring people into the brokerage company. So these brokers can find a way to make money even with zero fee index funds. So that's the first thing. I think that you're going to have a demise of paid index funds. Next thing is I think this leads to higher returns for investors all else equal. Now, all else equal is a mental model I've covered in this podcast before. Basically, it means if nothing else changes. So if you don't change your trading behavior, your returns should rise with this change because you're not buying different stocks. You're not buying more often. You're not selling different stocks. You're not selling more often. So therefore, if you have lower expenses but the same gross return, your net return should be higher. With that said, I think it will change behavior. So another second order effect is that I think this change to $0 commissions will promote more frequent trading. Now, for the most part, depending upon the size of your portfolio, $5 commissions wasn't a significant enough number to necessarily impact buy and sell decisions for most people, but it certainly was for some. So if 
only on the margins, you're going to see more frequent trading, I would think, because now people don't have to worry about like, well, is it worth the $5 commission to buy more stock or is it worth the $5 commission to sell more stock? And in some ways, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I think it could be a very major negative. Um, If you're trading just to trade, if you're trading to get in and out of stocks, um, that can be a problem. But what I think it does is I think this change opens up investing to more investors. Previously, I had a recommendation that you should not invest in a single stock or make an investment that is for less than $1,000 in a single stock. And that was because I was basing it off of a $5 commission. And I thought that if $5 commission on the buy and a $5 commission on the sell, you had $10. And $10 is equivalent to 1% of $1,000. And I thought that at 1% commission rate, you're spending too much money on commissions to justify that purchase, but that 1% was basically the maximum you should be acceptable with. So if you put $1,000 in, that was reasonable. You spent half a percent to buy your position and you'd spend half a percent to sell the position. And you could delay that as long as possible. So it could be that when you sell it, it's worth $10,000 30 years later. So it's not a huge impact. But what that meant is that I didn't want to recommend for people to put $100 into one stock, $100 in another stock. And so if you only had $1,000 to invest, my original recommendation was you should buy only one stock. Well, now I think it's not unreasonable to say, okay, if I have $1,000 to invest, I can maybe buy five stocks. I could put $200 in each of them. The commission is zero. So now I can diversify with smaller amounts of money. And I think that's impactful because now new investors can get practice investing, actually building the portfolios that they want to own without having thousands and thousands of dollars. You can get started with $500. You can get started with $100. If you want to go and buy one share of Berkshire Hathaway, you can do that. You can spend $208, buy your share, pay no commission, and now you're an investor in Berkshire Hathaway, one of the largest and most profitable companies in the world, and you paid no commission, and you did it with only around $200. You don't need $1,000 now to make the commission worth it to get in on companies. This is a huge benefit for new young investors, especially teenagers, especially people just starting investing. Um, This is huge. I would have loved to have this when I was investing. When I got started investing, I started with $1,000. And I did what did not make sense at the time. I was paying, I think it was either $9 commissions, $9.99 or maybe $7 commissions. I was paying $7 commissions and I would buy stocks with only $100 in because I was trying to diversify. Everyone tells you, you need to diversify. So I remember buying Bank of America and I bought $100, I think, of Bank of America, maybe $115 of Bank of America. I paid a $7 commission to make that trade, um, which was 7% of that position. I paid another 7% to sell the position a little while later when I realized that having $100 in a stock made no sense Um, when you considered the commissions and it was just, I didn't know enough about it. And I basically only bought in because Warren Buffett was in. So there's a lot of mistakes when I was first getting started. But the problem was, is that was punishing. 
I made a mistake buying that position. The stock price didn't go down while I held it, but I still lost money because I had to pay 14% of my purchase price in commissions. Now, some would say, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you ever do that? Well, I think it's important. The best way to learn investing is to invest. You cannot learn investing just listening to this podcast and just hearing someone else talk on a podcast or reading blog posts, or even you can't even invest just using um, a sample portfolio that's online where you, hey, you give you $100,000 of fake money and you try and manage it. The way that you learn to invest is you need to invest your own money. You need to invest money that matters because that is the only way you're going to feel the emotional roller coaster that is investing. But what this allows you to do, it allows you to start investing and invest like you will invest to actually practice holding your sample portfolio at small numbers. So I like the idea of concentration now, which means trying to hold like five to 10 stocks. And so if we're talking about a five stock portfolio, that's 20% in each. So now with $1,000, if I was getting started today, I could put $200 in each of five stocks. I would have the diversification I was seeking and I'd have the concentration I was seeking. And I could do that without paying owner's commissions. And that would allow me to get real active practice in learning how I feel when I'm investing my own money. And I think that's going to be instrumental in opening investing up for people who currently don't invest because they don't have enough money to feel like they can make an impact or they have so little money that any decision they make is costing onerous amounts of commissions. So I know that was a little bit of a rant, but I think this is how you have to think about it. You need, if you're not investing now and you want to learn how to invest, you need to invest some of your own money. What this announcement does is it allows you to actually do this without being screwed by the brokers. And I think that's critical. But what this means, that's the second order effect. What this means is there's a third order effect here is that this behavior is going to increase the number of investors and it's going to increase the amounts that collectively is being invested in the market over time. And what I think this means is that you're going to have lower returns. Not you specifically that's listening to this per se, but the market in general is going to end up in lower returns for investors because when there's more money being put into the same number of assets, that's going to drive prices higher. And the higher asset prices are, the lower future returns should be expected to be. And that's really what I think is interesting here, because on the one hand, we're reducing commissions, which is a very positive first order effect. But I do think there's a negative second and third order effect that trading is going to increase, which could make your your returns worse. And as more money flows in the market, it's going to be harder to receive higher returns because there's going to be more money chasing fewer assets. There's nothing you can do about that now. You should be happy about the first order effect because it means that you as an investor can invest for a lower amount of money, but it does mean that we're going to have to think in the long term that the amount of money we can earn from our capital might end up going down. And I think you've seen this over time with the rise of discount brokerages that the amount of money that's earned from the market has decreased because the prices have become higher than they used to be. Um, And I think we're just simply going to continue that trend. The last piece that I want to touch on here, because it might be a question that I haven't answered yet, but that you might have on your mind, is if commissions are zero, if brokers are charging zero dollars to make trades, then how do they make money? Well, I've already talked about how Robinhood makes money through order flow. 
But another key method of making money for brokers is that they earn a spread, and a spread is simply a difference between two numbers. They earn a spread between the interest that they pay you on the cash that you hold in your brokerage account and the interest that they earn by holding the cash in your brokerage account. So let's say you have $1,000 in cash in your investment portfolio. It's, you know, you're waiting to invest in something you don't have an investment today. Well, Charles Schwab can earn 2% on that money as they invest it in U.S. treasuries while you're letting it sit in cash. Meanwhile, they might pay you half a percent on your cash as interest. So you're going to see half a percent interest deposited into your account. Now, these are my numbers that I'm coming up with. They might differ when you could actually look at these accounts. But that 1.5% difference is profit for Charles Schwab. They're able to take that money, and by holding that over time, they're earning a 1.5% on the cash held in their brokerage accounts. Well, when you have $3 trillion in assets, there's a lot of money there where you can earn 1.5%. Now, they're not earning it on all of that, but there's a significant amount of money that's in cash across all those brokerage accounts that Charles Schwab can earn their 1.5% spread. The other piece is that they can lend on margin. They can loan you cash or loan you shares to short stocks or buy extra stocks. Um that you don't own, and they can earn money being loaning that money out and basically functioning like a bank. So between order flow, interest, margins, um, and other methods, um, but I think those are key ones that you should think about, brokers can still make money. So it's not like they, they need trading commissions these days in order to be afloat or profitable. But it does mean that the upfront, the forward-facing costs are being cut down. So the other thing you'll have to watch out for is that they might raise the costs that you don't see because the costs that you do see have gone down. So be aware, there's no free lunch. Um, this will have second-order effects that aren't as positive as the first-order effects, but I think it's something you can manage. If you pay attention, if you dive deep into what the costs are for your account and understand that you being paid an interest rate that doesn't match what the broker can earn is a cost um, and it can be a significant cost, um, then you you can be aware of that. I mean, for instance, if you had $100,000 in cash in your brokerage account and you there's a 1.5% spread that Charles Schwab was earning on that cash, well, now that's $1,500 a year are are on an annualized basis that you're now paying to Charles Schwab by letting them hold your cash and not paying you the market interest rate. Just something to think about, but I think the end game has definitely begun in the brokerage price wars. We have reached the zero bound in terms of commissions now at $0 for U.S. and Canadian exchanges. This will have a major impact on the accessibility of investing and will certainly change the recommendations I have made in the past to new investors. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I have a question for you. Do you think this will change how you invest? Do you think that you will change brokers if you're currently with Fidelity and they don't lower their their price of trades? If so, let me know on Twitter. You can follow me at Trey Henniger, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. 
um, and let me know. Reach out to me and tell me, hey, is this something that you would do to change with the new $0 trading? Or will it not affect you at all? Either way, let me know. I'm interested to know what you think. So again, the full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 46. And finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you've gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investment content without any advertisements. If you cannot support the show financially as a patron, but you still enjoy the show, please give me a five-star rating and review on your podcast player. I would really appreciate it. And if you could take the time, that would be incredibly helpful to me. And at this time in the show's journey, those ratings and reviews are critical to the growth of this podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast. Please visit our website and subscribe to our email list at DIYinvesting.org for guides, videos, and resources to help make you a better investor. The DIY Investing Podcast is presented for general informational and entertainment purposes only. I have not considered your specific situation or risk profile, and I have not provided investment advice. The information presented on the DIY Investing Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. The views and opinions expressed on the DIY Investing Podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the show's host or sponsors. DIY Investing, its producers, sponsors, and host, Trey Henniger, shall not be liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based upon information or viewpoints presented on the DIY Investing Podcast. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.